The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Everybody, welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick, and you're listening to Matt Slick Live. Hope you all had a good weekend. I hope you're going to have a good time listening to the show. Ooh. Yeah, I had a half a day off yesterday, <laughs> so that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Actually, I had to. Uh, I got. I got asked to uh, fill in for somebody at a, a Muslim anti-Muslim or anti-Islam uh, ministry. I know some people, and they said, "Hey, could you uh, fill in? Someone can't make it and talk about uh, why we don't accept Muhammad." I said, "Sure." So I uh, did that for uh, about forty-five minutes. It was a lot of fun. Worked on some stuff, and uh, here we are. So if you want to give me a call, as usual, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. I want to hear from you. Give me a call, and uh, we can talk. It should be, everything should be fine. Just making sure we got a lot of switches and stuff like that. I got to hit and all that kind of thing. And if you want to watch the show, you can do that by going to either Facebook and just look up Karm Org, or you can also go to... Um, uh, Rumble forward slash uh, Matt Slick Live, and you can watch the show there too. Not a big deal, but we do have a lot of good people who, um, who uh, just you know we participate and chat and have fun and all that kind of stuff. We have uh, usually there's 16 watching now. Then we get goes up to 60, 70, 80, 90 people, and uh, you know just kind of coming in, watching it live, and it's a good time. We're also on. Uh, StreamYard, and uh, we're also on uh, Clubhouse, so uh, you can check it out by just typing in Matt Slick Live in Clubhouse, so you can figure it out. All right, there you go. Now look, if you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. You can also email me. That's easy to do. Uh, you can just address an email to uh, info at Carm.org, info at carm.org, and if you do that, then um, well, I'll get to it. And um, please, in the subject line, put something like, uh, let's see, like uh, you know, a, a radio question or radio comment, and we'll get to it. All right. Well, we have nobody waiting right now, so a lot of time. What I'll do at that time is I will get into some of the radio questions that have been uh, sent in, and I like doing that. And uh, I think I'll do this. Uh, uh, okay, let's see. I was on the phone with you earlier, and I was asking about John 18.9. I'm sorry, I was a little nervous. forgot to ask one more question. Have you ever heard a non-reformed person try to use uh, that as proof against John against John 6 or John 17? Um, I was thinking someone could try to twist that to say that all Jesus was talking about was John. I don't know what the question is. So I'm not sure if you want to rephrase... Uh, that question um, I'd like to uh, you know build answer to that one I'm not exactly sure what you're asking let's see my sister recently joined up with a Jehovah's Witness and is being indoctrinated by their elders and pioneers of the organization she's learning how to intellectualize the Bible and ask questions that attempt to challenge Christianity what's the best way to keep her out of these false teachings well you know I can't say this is the best way but what I can do 
is give you some recommendations on some of the approaches that I've used over the years. Um, on CARM, there is a list of prophecies that have been uh, made by the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, by the Jehovah's Witness Organization. And you can go to CARM and look up uh, you know, Watchtower uh, False Prophecies. And you, there's a list there. And what you can do is print that list up and give it to her. Now, the reason this is so important is because the Bible says that uh, if anyone makes a prophecy in the name of the Lord, it doesn't come to pass, they're not of God. And so that's exactly what's happened. Uh, they, uh, let's see, uh, they, you know, they made many false prophecies. They did this a lot. And the fact when they occurred, a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses left their um, organization. In fact, from what I understand, some people brought the list of false prophecies. I forgot who developed them. I, I didn't do it. But uh, they did that, and entire kingdom halls were shutting down because it was new information to them. And so what the Jehovah's Witness organization has done now is try and say, well, people made mistakes in the past. And then that's okay because you know, they made mistakes, and mistakes are all, you know, it happens. But the thing is that they claim to be a prophet of God. In fact, let me go to that. I, you know what I might do? Just read some of those prophecies because, uh, you know, it's... Uh, let's see. Uh, there we go. Good thing I type fast. Or quickly, I should say. And so they, like they did, okay, so what the Jehovah's Witnesses are doing now, the organization is, like I said, they're trying to soften the blow when this kind of stuff comes up. Well, here's the thing, is uh, Deuteronomy 18.22, if what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or, or come true, that is the message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. So, if the if someone claims to speak in the name of the Lord and claims to speak for God, then they, their prophecies they make have to be accurate. They have to be true. So what does the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society say? On April 1st, 1972, it says, So does Jehovah have a prophet to help them, to warn them of dangers, and to declare things to come? These questions can be answered in the affirmative. Who is this prophet? This prophet was not one man, but was a body of men and women. It was the small group of footstep followers of Jesus Christ, known at that time as International Bible Students. Today, they're known as Jehovah's Christian Witnesses. Of course, it is easy to say that this group acts as a prophet of God. It is another thing to prove it. So, all right, what am I going to do? I might as well do this, because uh, maybe there's some Jehovah's Witnesses listening. Maybe some people who are listening who are thinking about joining the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, which I can talk about uh, quite a bit and, and show you uh, what they've done and so many bad things they've done. But check this out. This is from Studies in the Scriptures, Volume 4, page 621, done in 1897. And it says, Our Lord, the appointed King, is now present since October 1874. That means that Jesus, they said, was present in the heavenly realm in the right place since October of 1874. And it didn't really make any sense, but that's what they said. 1899, the battle of the great day of God Almighty, which will end in A.D. 1914. Wow. 
1914 with the complete overthrow of Earth's present rulership is already commenced. Now that's the time is at hand, 1908 edition, uh, yeah, page 101. Then 1916, it says, the Bible chronology here and presented shows that the six great 1,000-year days beginning with Adam are ended at the great seventh day, the thousand-year reigns of Christ began in 1873. The time is at hand. Uh, forward, page two. This is what they said in 1916 that the the uh, thousand-year reign of Christ began in 1873. Man, so obviously, you know, they don't have all their theological paws in the litter box. But anyway, here's 1918. Therefore, we may confidently expect that 1925 will mark the return of Abraham, Isaac, uh, Jacob, and the faithful prophets of old, particularly those named by the apostle in Hebrews 11, to the condition of human perfection. So 1925, that's when the return of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is supposed to occur. And, uh, well, really, 1922, they said, uh, uh, where was that, that first one, prophesying that uh, 1925 would mark the return of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That was millions now living will never die, page 89. In 1922, it said, uh, this is at Watchtower, September 1st, 1922, page 262. The date, 1925, is even more distinctly indicated by the scriptures in 1914. 1923 comes along and it says, Our thought is that 1925 is definitely settled by the scriptures. As to Noah, the Christian now has much more upon which to base his faith than Noah had upon which to base his faith in a coming deluge. That's Watchtower, April 1st, 1923, page 106. Then, 1925 is there. The year 1925 is here. With great expectation, Christians have looked forward to this year. Many have confidently expected that all members of the body of Christ will be changed to heavenly glory during this year. This may be accomplished. It may not be. In his own due time, God will accomplish his purposes concerning his people. And says Christians should not be so deeply concerned about what may transpire this year. And that was January 1st, 1925, page 3 in the Watchtower. 1925, it, it said this was in September of 1925, the Watchtower, page 262. It is to be expected that Satan will try to inject into the minds of the consecrated the thought that 1925 should see an end to the work. So now it's Satan who is speaking. Now, this, what's interesting is the Watchtower said we have... We definitely know it's 1925 when this is going to happen. And then later, that same year, now it's Satan who's talking about this. The thought that 1925 would see an end of the work. Really? It's ridiculous. 1926. Some anticipated that the world would end in 1925, but the Lord did not state so. The difficulty was that friends inflated their imaginations beyond reason, and that when their imaginations burst asunder, they were inclined to throw everything away. That's Watchtower. I forgot what uh, date. Uh, I don't have it written here. Page 232. I get the, the date on that one. Happened in 1926, obviously. And so now, you see, they're trying to do damage control because their prophecies failed. In 1931, there was a measure of disappointment on the part of Jehovah's faithful ones on earth concerning the years 1914, 1918, 1925, which disappointment lasted for a time, and they also learned to quit fixing dates. That's in the book Vindication page 338, 339. And um, then it says uh, 1968. It says, why are you looking forward to 1975? 
and that's August 15, 1968, page 494. They made false prophecies. So um, this is why this uh, this work uh, that I, I copied from someplace, we, it was in the years, I don't even know who wrote it, uh, who really did the original work. I just don't remember. But, you know, I've got so much information in my files and things like that. Um, in fact, I was allowed at one point, at, and while I was working, doing volunteer work at Christian Research Institute, where Walter Martins was doing, where Hank Canegraaff then took over, I was given permission to go through on my breaks of volunteering and Xeroxing anything and everything I wanted out of their files, and I did it for weeks. So I have a lot of stuff. And so I have a lot of documentation on things from different sources, different places. Anyway, so the Jehovah's Witness organization obviously made uh, false prophecies. They are false prophets, and they should not be listened to. That's one of the ways I would suggest is uh, is doing that. And then I could also talk about the Greek alterations that they've done in the Bible to make it fit their theology. So there's all kinds of stuff, and uh, there's ways to do it. But that's one of the ways, right there. Hey, let's get on the air with Joseph from Utah. Joseph, welcome. You're on the air, man. Hey, Matt. How are you doing? Doing all right. Hanging in there, buddy. Ooh, the break's coming up pretty quickly. What do you got, man? What's up? Uh, well, I got a chance to try that church, and it was really good. I met the woman you talked to. I think her name's Kara or Tara. That you talked to her, Laura, from Laura. that church. The city on the Laura. <laughs> I know. Hey, hold on. We got a break. No, it's a ARA. Okay. okay. Well, hold on. They could want us. Oh, no, I'm actually yeah. curious. So we can back for the break. I want you to tell me what okay. your experience was and whatever else you want to talk about. Okay. So hold on, buddy. We'll be right All back, right. folks. After these messages, please stay tuned. If you want to give me a call, eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, we have three open lines, 877-207-2276. So I want to hear from you. Give me a call. Let's get back on the air here with, and, uh, oops, got to hit the close to that. And I can't, uh, hey, I can't uh, click it on. Whoa, that's interesting. Hope not having a problem there. So, uh, Keith, could you uh, just get get him? There we go. Let's see what happened there. Oh, now it's now it worked. That's weird. Okay. Hey, Joseph, you're back on. All right. Cool. So okay. yeah, I met Laura. She's a really nice woman, and I actually liked it. It was different from the church that I'm used to because the church that I've gone to, but in the past, you know, it always starts with worship, then it has announcements and prayers and things like that, and then more worship and then the sermon i like this one because they did all this stuff beforehand and then they just focused on worship music and then the sermon and i just really like the lesson well good yeah there's a good group of people there i've been there a couple times oh sorry i thought yeah it's a little glitch there yeah they're a good group of people and rudy's a good pastor and uh all the gang there they're great um so i enjoy it feel comfortable when i'm there too it's a nice uh nice facility too I'm glad you went. Glad you liked it. Yeah, and uh, so the question I had is, there's a, a lesson on 3,912 differences between the original Book of Mormon and the current Book of Mormon. Have you read both? Have you read that article or the the sermon on that? 
It's not a sermon. Oh, it's three thousand nine hundred. It's three thousand nine hundred thirteen changes, and it's written by Gerald and Sandra Tanner. And what they did was they took an original Book of Mormon, and Sandra told me how they did all this. They took an original Book of Mormon, and then they had I think it was nineteen sixties. I think they did it or seventies. They did this, and they had a then contemporary Book of Mormon, and they uh, compared word by word the original to that one that was in this. I think it was seventies, whatever one, whatever year it was. And they found uh, thousands and thousands of uh, changes and alterations in the text. And she told me that there's a lot more than the 3,913. Those are just the major ones uh, that they, they uh, did. Okay. So, yeah. so have you read that yourself? Well, I, I don't, it's not a book you read. It's, uh, it's, read, it's just the Book of Mormon with notes put in. This is what it was changed. This is excluded here, added here. That's all it is. Okay, it's a photo reprint of an original oh. Book of Mormon, right? They they reprinted the original, or was it the vice versa, and then they put all the notes in what they did. Okay. Okay. I, Out of all I, those, what what would you say is the most significant one that that you may have seen on that wall? Looking at it. Well, now I have to look it up because I've gone through and picked out some of them. So let me see if I can find it on my website. Let's see, karm.org. Uh, changes in the Book of Mormon, and then I can read some of the ones that are significant. It's some of the many changes in the Book of Mormon. And uh, so, uh, let's see. So, in, like, for example, uh, the first one is First Nephi 11.18. This isn't just all, this is not all, this is just some of them, okay? It says uh, okay. in the 1830 edition, And he said unto me, Behold, the virgin which thou seest is the mother of God after the manner of the flesh. Well, in the 1981 version, it was uh, seest is the mother of the Son of God. So they added the word Son of God in the 1981 version. They added the Son of, and the Son of uh, in 1121 of First Nephi, 1132. They did that. Let's see. Uh, here's First Nephi 1920. For had not, this is the 1830 edition, for had not the Lord been merciful to shew unto me concerning them, even as he had prophets of old, for he surely, and it was on. And here it says, even as the, in the 1981 version, even as they had prophets of old, I should have perished also. So they added the words, I should have perished also. In First Nephi 20, verse 1, it was changed in the 1964 edition, but it says in the 1830 edition, Hearken and hear this, O house of Jacob, which are called by the name of Israel, and are come forth out of the waters of Judah, which swear, but the 1981 says, and are some forth out of the waters of Judah, or out of the waters of baptism, who swear. So they added, or out of the waters of baptism. In uh, Mosiah, uh, Mosiah uh, 21-28 says King Benjamin had a gift from God and they changed it to King Mosiah had a gift from God. Uh, and let's see, how about this? They took out, in the 1981 version, they took out, I'll, I'll emphasize the words, this is 3 Nephi 3.23, and the land which was appointed was the land of Zarahemla, and this is what they took out, and the land which was between the land of Zarahemla was taken out and the land of Bountiful. So they took out and the land which was between the land of Zarahemla. And they took out in 3 Nephi 10, 4, O ye people of the house of Israel. 
in Third Nephi 16.10, they took out, and shall subject the fullness of my gospel. In Third Nephi 22.4, they added, and shall not remember the reproach of thy youth. In Ether 9.2, they took out, which were not, or which. And it changed the meaning of the text. So, those are just some of the significant changes in the Book of Mormon. If it's the most correct book of any on earth, why are so many changes in it? Why and even changes the meaning? Yeah. yeah, that's one of the things that Rudy was saying too about the the Bible is that you know it it doesn't change, and I also saw that on the I guess I know it was on a TikTok video that it's always been consistent; it's never changed. Yes, the languages have changed, so that way you know people can read it in other languages, but. It, it never contradicts itself, not once. Right. And, we have to, and here's the thing, is a lot of Mormons will say, well, there's textual variants in the New Testament, for example. So, well, yes, there are. And uh, what I'll do is I take the 3,913 changes of the Book of Mormon, I take that book, and then I have my New Testament with the, it's in Greek, and I have the what's called the textual apparatus, which shows textual variants. The New Testament's 2,000 years old. The Book of Mormon's 200 years old. So the New Testament's 10 times older than what the Book of Mormon is. So what I do is, is uh, I fan through the New Testament. I've done this with Mormon missionaries many, many times. Right? In Southern California, I would do this a lot. Uh, I'd drive all over the place. And I had these books in my trunk of my car, and I would stop them and, and talk to them. And many missionaries left their mission, uh, I was told, and just they quit after the seeing the facts. So I'd take the uh, New Testament, I'd fan through it, and just randomly stop and say, let's count the variants. Like the word the is missing, which is a single letter, you know. Here's the word uh, chi, which is and, you know, might have it, uh, you know, chi anthropos or anthropos chi. And so I'd show them, and I'd say, count them, like, you know, three, four, five, you know, do it again, you know, two, three, you know, count it again, one, count it again, four, you know. I said, now let's do the Book of Mormon. And I would just fan through, and I'd show, it'd be like 12, 14, 18 per page, you know, uh, 12. Every single time I did it, except for once, the Book of Mormon had far more uh, variants than the New Testament documents did. Every single page, except for one time I did it. It was the only one that ever occurred, and, and many, many times I've done it. And the Mormons are shocked. And I say, how can you trust it? And you say the, the, the New Testament's not that trustworthy, but look at it. Of course it is. Hold on, they got another break coming up. A lot of info there. Okay. Hey, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. Please stay tuned. We have three open lines, 877-207-2276. Be right back. Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, well, welcome back to the show. Let's get back on here with Joseph. Joseph, welcome. Bring you back on. All right. Hey. Thank you. Sure. So, yeah, that, I, I like what, you know, I want to be able to read that. I was, unfortunately, I only found it on, uh, on the web, but I'm trying to find an actual copy, like a, some kind of book. That way I can always have it on hand with me because, as you know, living in Utah, there's a lot of LDS people here, and, you know, I would like to be able to talk to them and just kind of show them some of the things that's going on, you know? 
but all I have is it is it on uh, just on the web. I don't have it on an actual any kind of book yeah. form of that. What I would like. Yes. Um, what you, I recommend. Uh, maybe if Eric Johnson or Bill McKeever's listening by any chance, they could call in and fill fill us in about uh, what might be done with that. They'll know why I'm asking them. So Utah Lighthouse Ministry, utlm.org, they, or Sandra, yeah. retired. And so the bookstore is no longer there across the street from the uh, the baseball stadium. So um, a new facility is going to be generated here pretty soon with a new thing going on. So I don't know what's going to be happening with those books and with the printing and the, and the stuff. So I don't know. But I would uh, contact yeah. MRM, Mormonism Research Ministry, mrm.org, and uh, just ask them about that, if they have any access to it or what they might know about it. What you could also do okay. is just go online and look up, the, just say uh, 3,913, three, it's 3,913, 3,913 changes to the Book of Mormon, and see if you can find uh, an order, if you can find one someplace, uh, just to see. Maybe if people out there have copies they want to give up, uh, they could uh, contact me and I could make a, an announcement on uh, the air about that. So they're in on the UTLM org website, which yeah, is still up. It does have stuff there for uh, ordering, but I don't know if it's, you know, it says out of print, okay. So it does say out of print right now. So there you go, okay. Um, it was $16, it was done in 1990, this version, 1996. So that's all I could tell you. I've got mine, I won't give it up, okay. It, it's really useful. And, uh, yeah. So see if... Contact MRM.org. If you, if you ever come across one, you know, let me know or stay it on the radio and I'll, I'll if I listen and hopefully I'll catch it and then I can find a way to buy it because I would like a copy of it too. It's very useful. It's very useful. And, and yeah. what I also recommend is for witnessing purposes is to get the Greek New Testament. It's in Greek, but you don't have to know Greek because it, the textual apparatus is at the bottom. And I would use those in concert with each other. And I'll tell you, uh, many missionaries just left their mission and from that and other things when they saw the facts, when I could show them. And there's another thing I do, some, I used to do. I didn't do it in the morning because I don't drive that much because I work on the website so much. But uh, I used to have a Book of Mormon that uh, I labeled, thumb-labeled, uh, thumb-tapped uh, with a certain pattern so that they could see all the Christian doctrines and anti-Mormon doctrines in the Book of Mormon. And that shook them up, too. That really shook them up. Because the Book of Mormon teaches things contrary to what Mormonism teaches. And people are sh are just stunned by that. But it's true. Okay? Yeah. So, yeah. There's, there's things you can do. If you have those three things, maybe I should find this stuff and show how to do that and then do a video on it. But uh, if you can find those three books be great. and do those, it, it's, it's powerful. It is really powerful. Okay. Okay, yeah. I'll look those up. And then other than that, I just want to say thank you, Matt. I appreciate you and listening to your radio, listening to you on the radio and recommending the church to me. I'm mm -hmm. definitely going back next week. I'm not sure about my mom, but <laughs> I know I want to go back next week. You know, so thank you. Well, good. 
Yeah, you know, and uh, they've let me preach there a couple of times, and anybody who would who would let me preach in their church either has really good character judgment or not very good character judgment. So that's up to you to decide. Okay. <laughs> I think it's good character judgment. Okay. All right. Well, when you go back there, say hi to everybody, and um, you know, Rudy's great, and Laura's great, and and uh, so they're good people there too. All right. All right. Thanks, brother. Uh, love you, and you take care, and God bless, man. Yeah, you too, man. God bless. All right. We'll see you. Okay. All right. That was Joseph. If you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. Let's get to Kit from Tucson, Arizona. Hey, Kit. Welcome. You're on the air. Hey, Matt. Uh, I wanted to talk about something else, but I I would say uh, there have been a lot of changes to the Book of Mormon since uh, Gerald and Sandra Tanner put that out, especially in 1981, because they had just changed their racist doctrine that, uh, you know, you get white skin after becoming a believer, which was all through the Book of Mormon. So they had to change all the places that say you will get a white uh, skin to you get uh, you become pure and delightsome. So white there are hundreds of more changes. Yep. Oh, it's called yeah, white, white and, and delightsome become pure and delightsome. Yeah, Second Nephi 30, verse 6. Uh-huh. Many generations and shall not pass away. And it's still all over the Pearl of Great Price. I'm sorry, what? It's still all over the Pearl of Great Price, by the way, that if you're a bad person, yeah. you have dark skin, and if you're a good person, you have white skin. Well, that's anyway, what I want to ask you about... That's because of their theology. Oh, okay. Okay, sorry, happened in the preexistence, so we can get into that later, but go ahead. Go ahead. So what I wanted to ask you about is there's obviously a... Uh, passage in the Bible that says God doesn't listen to the prayers of unbelievers. Uh, is this a blanket statement about all prayers of unbelievers? Or if an unbeliever were to say, uh, dear God, I've always believed in evolution, but if you're out there, uh, please show me. Um, is there any circumstance under to the prayer of an unbeliever and answer it? Well, uh, it's a tough one because what is happening here is the Pharisees are the ones t- talking about that in John 9. And they're the ones making that, that statement. So the question then, is it true? And if so, in what sense? Now, we don't want to just throw the baby out with the bathwater and say the Pharisees said it. Therefore, it's not true. But also in Job thirty-five twelve, there they cry out, but he does not answer because of the pride of the evil men. So, he, so when it talks about not hearing the prayers of, of uh, people, it's, it basically means the issue of answering them, answering them according to their desires, the way God would do that with a, a believer, because their, their motives can never be pure, never be right before God, and are not filtered through the blood of Christ. So does God hear the sinner's prayer? Of course he hears the prayers that sinners offer. He hears them, but the issue is of him responding to them uh, according to the work and will through the person of Christ for the redeemed. But that doesn't happen. So the Pharisees are right in one sense. It, you know, it, it does not just the issue of not hearing, but it has to do with answering uh, because they're not God-fearing. And that's what's going on there. That helps. If, if an atheist um, wants to try God without mocking him, uh is there any chance that that God is going to respond to that kind of prayer? Because that's that's the context we were in last night when this came up. Um, it, was, it actually came from an atheist that was talking about. He was saying that there's no purpose in praying to God since I don't believe in Him. 
well, that's that's his view. No purpose praying to God because that's his view. But oh, as the Christian goes, we pray because that's what God wants us to do and that's what we ought to do. And so does it make a difference? The, our prayers do avail much with God, John, uh, James 5, 16, 17, I think it is. And so what about the prayers of an unbeliever? Well, if God, here's the thing. God grants people faith, and he works all things after the counsel of his will. So if he's drawing Absolutely. them, John six forty four, he draws them, and they are in that state of being drawn, and they pray. They say, you know, Lord Jesus, please receive my, my, uh, you know, my guilt and, and and cleanse me you know just take it well that's the prayer of uh, of so to speak a sinner now when it says you know in John 5 931 doesn't it hear the, the the sinners there's different kinds of sinners there's sinners who reject God and sinners who accept God sinners who believe in God uh, there could be sinners who are in temporary rebellion so what's going on here is mainly the idea of him not uh, adhering to listening to answering the prayers of those people whose motives are evil uh, and, and ungodly. But what it happens when God's drawing someone and that person finally receives Christ or asks Christ to forgive them? That prayer, of course, is heard because it's what God has worked within them. So there's different senses which we could talk about. It. Okay, that's, that's what I'm thinking, too. And when I, when I teach somebody long enough and I think God is drawing them, I say, why don't you enter into our worldview just for a moment and pray to God, you know, um, as if he exists and uh, see what happens. Uh, and obviously I'm not telling them to mock God or or anything like that. And I believe he hears those prayers. I guess that's where it comes from. I yeah. sometimes ask atheists to enter into our worldview uh, just for a moment. That's right. Well, that, that little tiny bit of that's faith. That's right. Amen. All right, brother, there's a break, so we got to go. All right, man, God bless. Okay. Well, God bless you. Thanks for the show. All right. Thanks, Kim. Hey, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. Please stay tuned. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. We have three open lines. If you want to give me a call, 8772 Zero seven two two seven six. Alberto from. Oh, I'll close this out and go this way. Here we go. Alberto, welcome. You're on the air. Well, good evening, Matt Slick. Yeah, I got a, this passage, Second Timothy chapter four, verse ten. For Demas has forsaken me, having love in this present world, and has departed to Thessalonica, Crescens, for Galatia, Titus, and for Dalmatia. But my, my question is, why do so many preachers always add to the Scripture? They always say he departed from the faith, but the Bible never says that. He departed from, from, from Paul. Why do they always say that he departed from the faith? Why do preachers always say that? I don't know. I have to look and see if it has any other stuff about him. And so far to look in the text... Uh, and so it doesn't say anything about that. But I don't know, people often add to the text and reinterpret things. Mm -hmm. uh, it says, having loved this present world has deserted me. So it doesn't say he lost his faith. It might mean that he got caught up in the the needs of, of his family, or he got tired of the travel, he got tired of something, and uh, deserted Paul and says, look, I'm done. And uh doesn't mean he lost his faith at all. If they were to say that, preachers were to say it, I'd say, well, it doesn't say that. 
you know, but uh, I could see why they could imply that, okay? Because they say he haven't loved the present world, so mm-hmm. so that's what I'm implying that, that's what it says that. Well, it actually says this present age um, is what it says. I, I own not in the Greek, but um, uh-huh. I, that's all I would say is it may be that he lost his faith, but we can't say with assurance. It, it might be mm-hmm. that he just got tired of everything and couldn't handle it anymore, got tired of, of being persecuted, and he left uh, left him. It could be. So, so, so the... I, Preacher, preacher see the term secure believer, but if once you're saved by grace through faith alone, now in his case, even though he's secure eternally, you're not safe, you're not kept by your works, your performance. So right. he, because he forsake, uh, he forsake, he's still saved, he's still go to heaven, though, right? Right. Yeah, well, we don't lose our salvation according to Jesus, John six mm-hmm. twenty seven through forty, but uh, and John ten twenty seven twenty eight, he teaches this. So, uh, if they were, he re- really was saved, it, it certainly could be possible that he just he got he left Paul because I'm done, you know. And it doesn't mean he's not saved. There are many Christians who can't handle too much, and they're not knocking them. Mm-hmm. It's just there's a lot of Christians who can't handle. You know, in this ministry, for example, uh, we have every now and then uh, people who want to work with us. And I got somebody, oh, that's right, somebody else wants to work with some video stuff. I got so much to do. At any rate, so I've trained people before. And they want to volunteer. I say, yeah, sure. And so after two or three weeks, they're done. They just disappear. Or they say they can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And usually what I'll do beforehand is I'll warn them. And I'll say, this is not an easy ministry. You come here and work, even as a volunteer. I said, it's a spiritual battle, and you may come under spiritual attack. And just be ready for it. Mm-hmm. Let your spouse know if you're married and your situation. And I've had uh, more than one person just say, I can't take it anymore. They're done. And they left. Mm-hmm. Because they said, you weren't kidding. I said, yeah, I know, I told you. And a lot of times, nothing really bad happens. But I have well, to warn people. Mm-hmm. So there's a situation where they have deserted, so to speak, the the uh, temporary commitment they had at least to work with Karn. And it doesn't mean they're not saved. Mm-hmm. Okay. See me, I've been giving your website all over where I live at, downtown, everywhere. I write down a piece of paper, a dollar tree, I buy a booklet, and I write down your website, karm.org mm-hmm. slash media. And I've been giving to a lot of people all over so they can know about your ministry. So I've been doing it for a good while now. So you have to put me your you payroll, know. okay? <laughs> you just gave me an idea because I have business cards. I could whip up some business cards where uh, I could send them to people, um, or people could do that. I guess I don't know. I figured out where it's karma.org forward slash media, and you could just hand them out to people. They're just designed for that. What if people yeah. would want that? Because then we'd have to mail them out. They would cost. That's the thing. You have to order them. Then it costs mailers and things like that. I wonder. But we might have something in the works where we can do, it's called a drop ship something. We're trying to, we're just starting to negotiate with some of the group of Christians where we could have something like that in our in our uh, store. And they just order, they take care of all the orders. That would be great. And one of the things I'll be able to do is mm-hmm. write out tracks. And I want to write some Christian tracks and then just have them so they can be ordered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's the best way. I should do that. I should give out total... My friend, I'm talking about his ministry of printing tracks out. My church has to go to. 
I used to send 10,000 tracks in a box. I used to give them out to people all over Savannah and Georgia and all them places. I mean, many times. I, I ordered like three times. Basically, I gave out 30,000 tracks alone, but by myself alone. On foot. Wow. People in the streets and the neighborhoods and the projects. I go, through, I go everywhere. The bus stops, the bathrooms I put on, getting people on, on person, <laughs> and the buses. I mean, um, foot everywhere. So I, there's no excuse for people don't want to do it in the hot sun, so I don't make excuses. I just do it. I go everywhere. I go to oh, wherever the you. projects. I go the neighborhoods. I mean, everywhere on foot. So I've been doing it for a long time. I give me Sunday school books out that my, that my class uses. And we don't, 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 don't use them no more. Get to people in the streets and all that. It's all free. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that oh, church is always all about money. I said, no, it's all free. Free, 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 free. Mm-hmm. So, another question, too. How do you handle a church member who is not teachable? You as a pastor. Get them in a headlock. And, uh, you know, that's usually what works. You cut the oxygen off their brain a little bit. When they get a little loopy, then you start saying, you know, you just shake their finger at them. That's one way. But that's not generally recommended. If they're not teachable, you pray for them, all right? And you can tell them they're not teachable and just let them know. And you have others uh, yeah. pray for them. That's all. It depends on what it is, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I talked to this guy today. He said in the bus stop, he said he read the Bible and now he doesn't eat pork because the Jews and, and Muslims don't eat pork. The main reason he doesn't eat pork because. When Jesus cast out the, the spirits out of the demoniac, the maniac out of this area, and his spirits went to the pigs, so that's the reason why he doesn't eat pork. Because it's, every time you, if you buy pig meat, you have a, you 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 you, you be taking spirits in your body. I said that's not what it means. <laughs> it's not what it says. It says it went into know, those pigs. There it doesn't say all it. pigs have doesn't say all pigs have spirits in them. That's that's pretty that's ridiculous. Exactly. And then you eat them, they get in your body. Yeah. That, that's that's whacked. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I know. I try to teach him, but he's, he was, you know, he's like, but he's interpreting. That's why you, I interpret it. Yeah, but sir, you can't interpret in light of you, what your, what your understanding to the scripture. The scripture interprets itself. I cannot put my understanding to the scripture, the text, with a text that doesn't teach that. But he was, I couldn't get through one. So I told him to go read Genesis chapter 9, verse 3, when God told Noah, after he got off the ark. So hopefully he read that verse. So I told him about some. And Try. also Timothy chapter uh, four, and then I think it's verse one through five. That's about that too. You know, the, Romans, uh, Romans fourteen. You know, Romans fourteen. No, no, okay. I think First Timothy also right, chapter four. Yeah, but Romans fourteen. Romans fourteen is the best uh-huh. one. Okay, don't be a okay, don't be yeah. judgy about what you eat or drink. Each person should mm-hmm. be fully convinced yeah. in their own mind. If it's a law that we're mm-hmm. not supposed to eat pork, then why does Paul speak to the contrary? Okay. Romans 14 mm-hmm. is a very good uh, chapter for that, all right? And I also quoted uh, Peter, we, he say, uh, Peter said to Jesus, uh, in, that, in that nothing unclean, don't you call unclean what I clean? You know, so I told that verse to him. So, well, anyway, I don't hold any longer, so thank you. You're welcome. All right, well, God bless, man. Okay, God, God bless. bless. Okay. Thank you, too. Bye-bye. Ooh, I had a yawn right there. Hey, we have wide open lines. If you want to give me a call real quick, 877-207-2276. So Alberto reminded me of something I did once, um, and that was when I was in San Diego. And uh, there's a place called North County Fair off the 15 freeway. And it was a mall. Let's call it North County Fair. 
and so uh, as as the case with most malls the they're surrounded by a parking lot so what i did was i had this track that i've written called the warning track and what it does is it uh is really brief intro and warning about the two cults of mormonism and jehovah's witnesses and i documented in the track uh, a lot of stuff from it and it's designed that you can have an 8 by 11 sheet of paper landscape cut it in three and you have uh, three tracks per 8 by 11 double-sided dr walter martin who uh, was uh, the founder of, of Christian Research Institute. He wanted to order a hundred thousand of them and distribute them, and uh, but they got, uh, but he he passed away before that happened. So he liked them. All right. So what I did was I got uh, a few thousand of them together, and I got some friends, and I said, let's go to the mall, and everyone has to synchronize their watches. And I said, what we're going to do is, uh, you know, picture the mall in a clock. You know, the mall's in the center, and you have noon and two and three, and, you know, around the clock. And I said, so you go over to, you know, the, the noon position in the mall. You go over to, like, the three o'clock. Uh, you know, we, we spread ourselves around the mall parking area. And I did research on the legality of this, and it's certainly legal, because it's private property that's open to the public, so it's functionally public property until a representative of that private property asks you to leave and then you have to leave because the representative has stated so this is what i researched and i found out i talked to a lawyer about it he said oh yeah that's what it is so i said you can pass out literature and you can also you have to worry about you, know, you put something on our car windshield which is what we did and i'll explain what happened and if someone takes it and throws it down the ground you're not responsible for their littering but you have the right of the freedom of press and uh, distribution and petition and things like that. And so I did all the research. So anyway, we got, uh, I think, five or six friends, and we uh, went around the mall. And we went during a heavy time when it was really packed full of people in, uh, like on a Saturday. And I said, don't anybody start until exactly, I don't know what it was, like 3 p.m., you know, whatever it was, 3 p.m. And look at your watch when it's exactly 3 p.m., just start putting them on windshield wipers. And don't stop and talk to anybody. We want to get out as many as you can because you can get out 600 an hour. That's I did it, actually did a test. Get out 600 an hour. And so if we have like five people, that's 3,000 tracks that we can get out in like an hour. And I said, now, don't take your cell phones with you either because when the people get the tracks and they go report them, they're going to tell the, the security. Security's going to go out and tell you to leave. And they'll say, tell your friends to leave and say, don't have my cell phone on me. So they have to go to each person, tell each person to leave. And so we, we did this, and that's exactly what happened. They, they came out after about 15 minutes, and so we had to leave. So I, I left. I'm not going to argue. And we met at a certain place, and we debriefed. And we got out, I think, 2,000, uh, 1,500, something like that. And the interesting thing was that for months afterwards, we would get feedback about those tracks from different people. And I remember talking to two Mormon missionaries, and they didn't know who I was, and they brought up the track. And they said, yeah, this track has caused a lot of problems. And I'm laughing at it. <laughs> I'm chuckling. I said, really? He goes, oh, yeah. And... uh and I said, really, I wrote that thing. And they, they said, what? They said, thanks for the encouragement. It really worked. <laughs> so anyway, I need to do that kind of a thing again. And uh, I can find the local laws. We should get those republished and uh, printed up and, uh, and use them. So there you go, folks. We are out of time. May the Lord bless you. And by his grace, we'll 
back on there tomorrow. And Lord willing, we'll talk to you then. So have a great evening, everyone. God bless. Goodbye. Another program powered by the Truth Network.